Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome to the Next Level Soul podcast, where we ask the big questions about life. Why are we here? Is this all there is? What is my soul's mission? We attempt to answer those questions and more by bringing you raw and inspiring conversations with some of the most fascinating and thought-provoking guests on the planet today. I am your host, Alex Ferrari. I'm always looking to help the Next Level Soul audience take their soul to the next level. And I've been able to partner with Mind Valley to present you guys with a ton of free masterclasses between 60 and 90 minutes covering mind, body, soul, relationships, and conscious entrepreneurship. Some of these masterclasses are taught by spiritual masters, relationship experts, best-selling authors, legends in the personal growth and spirituality space, and so much more. So if you want to sign up for any of our free mind, body, and soul masterclasses, just head over to nextlevelsoul.com forward slash free. Now, today on the show, we have a returning guest who is one of my favorite people to talk to in the world. His name is Paul Selig, and he is a channel. And he channels what he calls the guides, his guides. And we had a great, great, great conversation about his new book, The Resurrection of Humanity, The Resurrection of Yourself into Your Own Soul or Connecting to Your Own Soul. But he channels in this conversation multiple times. And the guides have some very, very important messages for all of us to hear. So let's dive in. I'd like to welcome back to the show, Paul Salik. How you doing, Paul? I'm good. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming uh, on the show. We're going to talk about your new book, Resurrection, and the Manifestation Trilogy. I'm really fascinated and I'm looking forward to mm-hmm. talking to you about that. Um, but talk to me about the concept of resurrecting your true self. And and I think, is that kind of what mm-hmm. the book is about? Yeah. Well, the guides say that there's an aspect in all of us. They call it the divine self, the true self, the divine self. They call it a lot of different things or the monad and they say that aspect of us is seeking manifestation, rearticulation as and through us. So the aspect of us that has always been there, the, the God within, if you wish, is seeking to express itself in fullness through us. And that's the resurrection that they talk about. So um, all of the teachings, I think, since the very beginning have been moving towards this in a way that the guides are now getting very, very specific about, about how this happens, how the divine self or that part of us that is in its knowing that does not anchor to fear is realized and what the ramifications of that are on the individual and also on the collective. Now, do you, are you using or or the guides using the concept of resurrection as kind of like a coming home to who we truly are as opposed to you know 
what we think many of us think we are, which is this body and this world and this thing. Yeah, it's kind yeah. of like a re resurrecting out of this into our true divinity. Oh, yeah. Our reclamation to who we've always been that we've kind of forgot or ignored or denied. You know, the guides I work with say that we're operating in a collective field. And this field is moored in a belief in separation that's accrued a whole lot of evidence. Mm -hmm. And that that's really not the truth, has never been the truth, but it's what we've created and we're sort of supported by in terms of our awareness of who we are. So when I think of who Paul is, I may say, well, I'm in a male body and I'm of a certain age and I live here and I do this kind of work. And they say, well, those are ways of, of knowing the self, but it's not who you truly are. Um, because all of those things are actually transient. The truth of who we are, which they call, you know, the God within or the indwelling Christ or the monad, there's a name for it kind of in every system, I guess, um, is who we've always been. And that's what's seeking to be reclaimed by us. And some of that comes at the cost of our ideas of who we've been that have been moored in separation or a belief that it can't be so. Now, I wanted to ask you, mm -hmm. the way the world, the way we've been running for the last uh -huh. 3,000 years, it's yeah. been very tribal in the sense that we're running on morality. We're mm -hmm. running on a concept of, uh, you know, in this, this, this tribe, we mm -hmm. eat this animal. And it's mm -hmm. in, in, in another tribe, that animal might be sacred. And then yeah. that's where the wars begin. But that was that that benefited us, I guess, to a certain point when we were tribal. But now we're global, and we're yeah. becoming more and more global. So we have to we have to start to transition away from this "my way is the only way" kind of idea. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Well, I mean, I think you're right. I, the guides say self righteousness is always the small self, or if you need to be right at the cost of somebody else being wrong, that's still the personality self seeking to reinforce itself or the egoic structure. So, you know, borders, they say, are created by us. I mean, they're, they're man-made things. And um, we give meaning to these things and we create walls in the belief that we need to stay separate from those people over there. And in doing so, we've kind of forgotten who they are. And the guides have said, you know, we've denied the divine in our, the ones beside us for so long, that we've also denied the divine in ourselves and in the source of all things. They've said about a thousand times through me at least, you can't be the light and hold another in darkness or who you put in darkness and what you put in darkness calls you to that darkness. That's a teaching of co-resonance. It's not a teaching of right and wrong and, and morality. Morality, as you said, seems to be pretty subjective from culture to culture. And I think when the guides speak about these things, they speak about truth. And they say what is true is always true. It's not about convenience. It's not about perhaps the mores of a culture at a specific time. Um, you know, 100 years ago, we treated each other very different. 300 years ago, we certainly treated each other very different. And these things continue to sort of play out. But when they say what is true is always true, they're going back to this idea that the divine self or the aspect of you or anybody else that is eternal is always true. And the reclamation of that is the key to sort of comprehending what expresses at a level of co-resonance with all other things. So in other words, if you think of the idea that God sees God in all of its creations or the divine cannot deny the divine in anything else, 
because all things finally are of one source, you begin to move to a higher level of recognition. So I don't get that there's anything wrong with having your buds or having your tribe or having cultural requirements. I think all of those things are fine. I think when it becomes exclusive and denying others, um, it becomes more problematic. And that's always the schism of separation. Yeah, and that's the thing that's so interesting because, I mean, a perfect example is sometimes I've I've noticed since I've launched the show, you know, there's I read the comments of, of things and people coming yeah. in and yeah, but most of them, I'm going to say majority of them are very positive and very thankful. But when certain people feel threatened mm-hmm. in regards to their beliefs, the story that they've taught themselves or have been taught by either culture, by religion, by parents, by community, yeah. by, by country, they feel the need to defend. They feel mm-hmm. the need because their their idea of the world is being challenged in their own mind by yeah. just merely saying something that doesn't align with them. Mm-hmm. So it is so fascinating to see why we need to do that. Like my point of view is like, if you believe the sky is purple, that's fine. That's up to you. If you believe the sky is purple and you want to, you want to pray to the purple sky, that's all good, but don't mm-hmm. push your beliefs on me. Yeah. Let live and let live in many ways. Yeah. What are your, what are your I mean, thoughts on I, that? I mean, I agree with you. I don't read the comments anymore. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I mean, I used to. Um, the very first time I was ever interviewed and I channeled, this would have been on a, some cable TV show maybe 12 years ago, and nobody knew who I was or what I did. I think the first book may have just come out, um, and there was no press on that at all. And I was channeling on air and the comments were scathing. It's because I look nuts and I know I look nuts, but I do. This is how it how it looks when I work. And I feel all that stuff because I'm clairsentient. So I was feeling all of this negativity and I went to bed and I said to my guides, if you want me to do this work, why are you letting this happen? And their response was, well, as long as you care what people think about you, this is going to be an issue. That's pretty much my responsibility (laughs) to deal with this. But, you know, I'm not out there to make anybody else wrong. I was raised an atheist. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. You know, I was a New York City kid. We went to therapy. We didn't go to church or temple or anything like that. You know, it was beyond me. And when I started waking up at around age 25, I mean, for me, that was the equivalent of moving to another country. It's like, if that were true, nothing was the way I thought it was. All of my secular beliefs were suddenly up to be reexamined. What the guides are actually talking about now in their books, because they're almost two-thirds through the next one, which they started about a month ago. Um, They talk about all of the cultural systems that we've been in accord to and how all of those systems pretty much grew out of a belief in separation. So all of our memory is sort of entrenched in this idea that we're separate from the one beside us and separate from source. So now they're really working on the reclamation of those things because we can't keep perpetuating the old as we have because we've, according to them, you know, we've chosen 
as a species to make it. We're going to move beyond this wall that we've erected or above it because you really can't go through it, but you can lift above it to a place where the wall does not exist. And that we're choosing this basically because we have to at this point. We can't go on as we were. We have the ability to blow ourselves to kingdom come, you know, and according to them, we probably will if we keep going the way we're going. And we've decided not to, which is good news. That's that's a very that's very good news. But it, it seems to me that 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 it's God, there's so much stuff going on right now in the world. And that could be said of any time in history almost. Yeah. But I think we're more aware of all of the, the wars and the, yeah. the pandemic and the economies and the, the the tribalism going on politically and all this kind of stuff. It seems it's coming to a fever pitch. Yeah. But I've also noticed that the spiritual messengers out there like yourself and a show like mine, they're they're starting to pop up more and more to spread this kind of light, to spread this kind of information out mm-hmm. in the world, there's this kind of almost counterbalancing happening. Mm-hmm. Do you do you see the same thing? Yeah, I do. Um, I think that the level of consciousness that's available now is present and is being, it's, it's kind of in the field. Mm-hmm. So the guides I work with say that all of this stuff that they're teaching is taught through co-resonance. So you hold a level of amplitude or light if you want to say that and basically by presence in being you're reclaiming what you encounter or making that allowable elsewhere so this is part of the way things shift in 2009 when the guides dictated the first book uh, through me which was called i am the word they said humanity is at a time of reckoning and a reckoning is a facing of oneself and all of one's creations and everything that's been created in fear is going to need to be reseen, reclaimed in a higher way. And that the process that we're in right now is that, but we don't get to reclaim anything until we see it. So, you know, I think when they, about five years ago, maybe six, they dictated a book called The Book of Truth. And they said, what's about to happen is that everything that's been buried is about to be exhumed. You know, if it's what, been, year, what, what year was that, by the way? The year before the the two presidential elections ago, right before that. Well, so that's a while ago because that's exactly yeah. what happened. I mean, it, yeah, yeah. all this racism and hate and tribalism every, yeah, started exactly. to come up. Yeah, that's what they said. And they said, you know, it has to come up in order for it to be brought to the light to be reseen. You know, it's really that simple. Now, what we want to do with everything is point fingers at it and punish and and all of that, which they say just really exacerbates everything that is being brought to the light is brought to the light because it has to be renown or reseen in a higher way. And that's the opportunity we have now if we take it. But I kind of see. And they've said this again and again, that what's going on, and they've been pretty much on track for the last 10 years around how we're operating and kind of prescient. Um, I think all of this stuff is potentially for the good. You know, it's not that we have to focus on all the crap all the time, but you can't deny it. This isn't spiritual bypassing. You don't get to, to spray some perfume on some stuff and say that it smells good, you know, (laughs) if it doesn't. Now, there's something we we kind of talked about a little bit earlier about the stories that we tell ourselves, the yeah. stories that we were brought up with. You know, we're not born into this life. 
with hate in our hearts or mm -hmm. love in our, I mean, there's just, I mean, there's, there's, there's all this kind of conditioning that we have yeah. going on. What's your advice on how we can break free of these stories like you did when you started to awake with your, I mean, obviously you had an extreme example, you had guides and are channeling, but for the rest of us, how can we start to break free from these stories to reevaluate the reckoning within ourselves to awaken to a higher state of consciousness? Oh, I'm not done and I'm not a spiritual teacher and I'm not a guru and I don't, I'm not enlightened. I'm this guy that shows up right. with this very odd ability, but I have grown a lot as a result of this. Maybe grown is the right, is the wrong word. Maybe I've evolved, I've evolved. That's a better word for it. Um, the guides work with attunements, energetic attunements. They say we're all radios and we're always in broadcast and our broadcast is our consciousness. And our consciousness is what claims our reality individually and collectively. So the attunements are really simple and they're, they're claimed at the level of the divine self or the monad because they say what is true is always true. So at that level, these things are always true. And a simple claim that they work with is, I know who I am in truth. I know what I am in truth. I know how I serve in truth. I am free. I am free. I am free. Now, the invocation of this is not happening at the level of personality. It's not saying, hi, I'm Paul, and I know who I am, and I know where I live. It's not all that stuff. It's the eternal self that claims that. The guides say this is the aspect of self that is innocent, free of fear, free of our idea of sin, even if you want to go there, you know, that knows who it is in spite of all evidence to the contrary. So when you claim the attunements, you're actually shifting the radio station of your field to align to the higher field that they say is always present, but has been denied. So imagine there's a radio station that's always been there that you didn't know that you could play. So that's what they're supporting us in doing. The experience of it is often fairly tangible. I do, you know, workshops online and live and all that stuff. But when the guides come through with the attunements and people invoke them, you can feel the shift in the body and in the field. And your experience of things begins to be altered. This isn't like abracadabra stuff. It's not like a magic wand. But what it does do, I believe, is put in motion a shift in consciousness that you can align to all of the books that they're delivering through me are really about this. You know, these aren't self-help books. It's not about how to manifest a better condo. It's not that stuff. Right. You know, other people can do that. That's not what they teach. They're really teaching a kind of mysticism, but I think in a way that's really applicable, you know, that something comes with it. It's not theory, it's practice, it's experiential, which is what I like about the work. When I began channeling, or hearing, because it took years before they began lecturing through me. I was hearing information, but I wasn't interested in the information. I was interested in the energy that would accompany the information because you couldn't fake it. So I was for 18 years, I sat in a room in my in my living room in New York City in those days with people and we sat in the energy and took the instructions that came and they were palpable and physically, you know, physically real and kind of life changing. And that's what I hung on to. And it's the reason I still have to just trust this experience that they're delivering because it's palpable.
it's not just a bunch of pretty words. You can, you can invoke it, you can feel it, you can see it in action in your own life. Now, when going back to the stories that we tell ourselves, uh-huh. we're the only animal on the planet that punishes ourselves yeah. a thousand times for one mistake. Yeah. And it is brutal. We are the most brutal critic and the most brutal <sighs> troll we have yeah. in every aspect of our lives, whether we're not spiritual enough, we're not we're too fat, we're too thin, yeah. we're not the right color, we're not the right anything, because that's what the message is that we're getting coming yeah. in. And what can you what advice can you give about forgiving ourselves for these these mistakes, quote unquote mistakes that mm-hmm. we've made and just forgive ourselves, period, for, for so many things that we torture ourselves with on a daily basis. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. So it's a big question and there's a few ways to it. But, you know, the the book that they're delivering now is talking about this very specifically. And they talk about the ramifications of choice made in fear, which are punishing. We're punished by our choices. We're punished by what we think about who we are and what we've done. And they say, you know, you can claim the action of the divine upon these things and through the entire trajectory of the choice. They keep saying, you know, don't limit the action of the divine. A very simple teaching is what you damn damns your back and what you bless blesses you in return. And that includes myself or what I've done or what I think. So the idea of who you put in darkness or what you put in darkness calls you to the darkness is also inclusive of the self. Um, The idea of blessing something, which I think gets kind of skewered culturally, according to the guides I work with, is to bless something is to see, to know, to claim the presence of the divine upon it. And God, if you want to use that word, exists beyond time and space isn't moored by our ideas of what can be. So to claim the action of the divine upon the self-recrimination, upon the self, you know, the self-hatred, all of those things, which are really kind of anchoring us back to fear and separation, is something that can occur. And I know that's true, because I used to suffer greatly. And I'm not saying it's all gone, but, you know... Mm -hmm. When I go back to how I used to operate, it was brutal. So I know that. Somebody had to say to me when I was maybe 28, 29 years old, because I had a committee that was just loud and self-condemning. And somebody said to me, you know, Paul, as, as as dark as you have been, that's how much light you can hold. And that made an enormous difference for me at the time. And I think it's been very, very true. And what I've learned through all that stuff is compassion um, in a way that I may never have known otherwise. I know what suffering is. Um, I choose not to hang out there as best I can. And I think anything that we experience can be utilized in our growth. But um, yeah, so let me go to the guides with this, because you asked before we started, oh, will you channel? I'm going to see if the guides want to say anything simple about how to attend to the idea of self-punishment. I'll just say I whisper and repeat when I do this, and it looks nutty, but so what? 
Right? They're saying the idea of who you are as the one worthy, as the one worthy of punishment is what must be removed, is what needs to be removed or reclaimed or reclaimed in a higher way, in a higher way. The choice to self-abnicate, the choice to self-abnicate, I am not worthy, I am not worthy, I am not lovable, I am not lovable, I am a bad human being, I am a bad human being, will call to that will call to you the evidence of those claims accountable to accountable in sex. Accountability to one's acts, to one's acts is present, is present. If you stole it, you own it. If you stole it, you own it and you will pay for it and you pay for it. But the choice to know the self, but the choice to know the self beyond the thing done, beyond the thing done as who and what you truly are, as who and what you truly are will actually move the evidence of the old, will actually move the evidence of the old. Each of you who comes before us, each of you who comes before us is in denial of the divine or in denial of your nature or in denial of your true nature. When you know who you are, when you know who you are, all things are indeed made new. All things are indeed made new and in fact inclusive and in fact inclusive and inclusive in fact of the things that cause you the most pain. So if that makes sense. That makes that makes perfect sense. So in this this other concept of of hell, which has been tossed yeah. around for a long time now, do you believe that we are in what we consider a hell? Because this is pretty much the definition of self torture, beating ourselves up, um, that kind of that kind of abuse that. Is not it's it's ever it's almost everlasting until you decide to break free of it. It seems like we are all in our own personal hell, hells, and we have to kind of, as you say, resurrect out of it. I don't know. Um, do what do I think about that? I'm going to go to myself because I'm still half with them. Um, I mean, hell is an idea. You know, the guides I work with say that the only real problem humanity faces is what they call the denial of the divine. And that all the problems that we are having are evidence of that, whether it be war, whether it be famine, whether it be, you know, how we treat ourselves or other people, you know, and, you know, people say, well, we have to blame, we have to fight, we have to get revenge. It's an old system that I think always accrues more evidence of separation or, you know, if you want to say hell. Let me go to the guides. The idea of hell must be redeemed. The idea of hell must be redeemed. The absence of the divine is not hell. The absence of the divine is not hell, but it may be a hell, but it may be a hell of one's own making, of one's own making the scale that you exist in, the scale that you exist in, or the octave of experience, or the octave of experience that is your world, that is your world, or your reality, or sense of world, or your reality, or sense of world, or sense of a world has high and low notes, has high and low notes. The darkest you've been, the darkest you've been, the lowest note you played, the lowest note you've played is available to you, is available to you, as is the highest, as is the highest. When you lift to the next octave, when you lift to the next octave, or the one above the one you've known, or the one above the one you've known, there is a different transmission. There is a different transmission because fear does not express at this level, because fear does not express at this level. And when you are no longer choosing in fear, you are no longer mandating suffering or denying the divine in yourself or others, or denying the divine in yourself or others. To lift to what we call the upper room is the teaching we bring through is the teaching we bring through it is a choice it is a choice but you know it can be so but until you know it can be so you will likely deny it you will likely deny it and go on as you have and go on as you have period and they're saying period now you we've mentioned the divine a lot in this conversation so uh -huh. far 
how do you suggest or any advice that you can give us to connect with the divine more, the divine within us? Uh-huh. Let me let me ask them again, you know, because I mean, I have my own ways and my own systems, and I don't know what's going to be the most useful, the easiest thing to do is say it exists. They're saying the easiest thing to do is say that it exists. You will not connect. You will not connect to what you believe does not exist. Does not exist. Permission to give yourself permission to know the God within. To know the God within is to invite the God within to be known. Is to invite the God within to be known. The choice to align to it. The choice to align to it is indeed an act of will. Is indeed an act of will to say I am forgiven, to say I am forgiven, I am renowned, I am renowned, I am reclaimed, I am reclaimed in a higher way, in a higher way is evidence of this choice, is evidence of this choice, the realization of it, the realization of it, I am of God, I am of God, as are all, as are all, is a stage you encounter, is a stage you encounter when you begin to realize, when you begin to realize that nothing can be outside of God, that nothing can be outside of the divine except that which you place there, except that which you have placed there. Willingness indeed is the key. Willingness indeed is the key. It can be so, it can be so it will be so it will be so god is god is god is god is god is god is say this if you wish they're saying to me say this if you wish so you know i don't come from a religious background i mean i've got religious art around the house i've got hanuman on my desk i've got shiva on the wall i've got jesus in the painting you know but i think that all true teachings hold great truth and I trust that. And, and the very first book was called I Am the Word. And I said that the Word is the energy of the Creator in action. And in subsequent texts, they went into this more and they said, finally, there is one note sung, one tone, one sound in the entire universe that all things are in agreement to or of. So that one note sung is your fingernail and my nose and the sky and the ocean and everything that we could see or even imagine. They're all manifestations of source. So all things are of God or nothing can be is what they say. And then I said, well, what about fear? And they said, well, fear, no, fear is of God. It just denies it. You know, that's the whole problem with fear. Fear, nothing can be outside of the divine, but we can believe ourselves to be outside of the divine and consequently have that experience. For me, I mean, I'll, I'll, I don't know if I told you the story, but, you know, my opening began when I was 25 and I was bottoming out in the Gopher Campus Motor Lodge in St. Paul, Minnesota. I didn't know where the drugs were. It was a rough night. I looked like I was doing really, really well. By the way, I just gotten a master's from Yale. I was in mag. I mean, it was like, you know, I was a hot young guy in that moment. And I was really a mess. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. But, you know, the Gideons leave these little Bibles in the drawers. And I went, oh, fuck it, you know, and I took the thing out and it said prayer for people in crisis. And I went, well, I'm in a crisis. I don't know that I could have named the crisis, but I knew that whatever had been wrong had been wrong a long time and wasn't getting better. And I said the thing and I meant it and then I forgot about it. And three days later, I was back in New York and I woke up one morning and I asked myself what I could do that day that was positive 
and I heard a voice. It was the first voice I heard. And I listened and I stopped drinking that day and partying and all that stuff. It was a big moment, but it was a shocker for me. And when I say I heard a voice, it's not like there's a voice in the room. It's that there is a thought that blocks out all other thoughts that can't be refuted because you know. So if you've ever really known something, like I know I'm in love, I know I got the job, I know, I know, I know. When you know, there's never a question attached. There's no yeah. confusion. And my guides have said, you know, that's the divine self that knows. The part of us that knows is the true self, which is never afraid. Because you can also say, if you go back to that moment when you knew there was no fear, because fear and knowing don't coexist. There can be fear about what happens next. You get the rough diagnosis, but what happens next is what's frightening. What's it going to feel like? Will I make it? All that stuff. So for me, that first knowing came with that level of resonance, which I've since learned to trust. Um, when I channel, I'm not thinking, you know, I'm in the background, maybe half listening and interrupting if it's too strange or confusing. But I've learned about that kind of knowing and that it's trustworthy. So I, I know there was a question that I was answering a while back and I went off on like four different digressions. So you have to forgive me. Not a problem. Um, but anyway, that's that. So what I found to be truth and to be the, the word, as they say, is that as the closer you get to the divine within yourself, fear starts to, to melt away. And I, I, a lot of things that I was afraid of before, I'm not anymore. Yeah. And it doesn't, and it's very interesting. I'm on a, I'm on a, I'm the same journey you are on. We're all evolving at, a, at, at, at the rate that we're supposed to be evolving in our own lives. But as I've noticed that things that used to terrify me, things I used to worry about, like, where's the money going to come from? What is this going to happen? What's that? No. I've become much more entrenched in faith that things will happen. And when you start connecting to that inner faith, yeah. that inner, the inner divine self, you're not as afraid anymore. Is that what you found? Yeah. I mean, I can still get triggered and then oh, I have yeah. work to do, you know, yeah, then, of okay, course. the opportunity because the guys say, well, everything's an opportunity. You know, if I, if I reframe things that way, then I'm no longer operating from my old victim consciousness, which was quite well developed in my life. <laughs> so, you know, the guides have said a million times, the action of fear is to claim more fear. And every choice we make in fear gets us more of the same. And if you look back at your life and you look at the choices made in fear, you'll probably see that they got you more fear. They'll always accrue evidence. What the guides say about fear is kind of curious because they say, you know, fear is not wise. Fear does not ascend. They, they say it's sort of, it, it, it's clever, but it's not wise. So it doesn't lift beyond a certain level. Its job is to replicate itself, kind of like cancer, at the level that it's been created, which is a low level. The true self, or the self that you're speaking about, isn't afraid because it doesn't hold the vibration of fear. And if you begin to translate your experience to what the guides are calling, you know, the upper room or the octave above, or some people call it Christ consciousness, I mean, I'm sure there's lots of different names people call it. One of the things you discover pretty quickly is fear isn't present there. And if I want to go back into my old reaction, I can, but then I go back downstairs where that exists. 
So they've said sometimes, like, imagine that you're given a new apartment on the 20th floor and you've been living in the basement. And you go up to the 20th floor and you say, oh my God, this is beautiful. Now the view is completely different. It's not obstructed. You know, you're not looking at the dog crap out the transom windows from, from the basement. So we go up to the 20th floor and we say, oh, this is wonderful, but I have all those love letters that my ex wrote me that I mean to burn. You have to go back downstairs to get them. We wanna bring all our baggage up there with us and we can't. So part of the process that we end up undergoing is the release of who we think we are, what we thought was so important, all of that stuff, because those are the things that would seek to accrue more evidence of fear, because that part of us was kind of reared in fear. They say it's kind of like, you know, we were all born into this field where fear is so present that we just assume it's always going to be there. And it's kind of like, you know, you, you know, we, 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 we were born in the pool that somebody already peed in, you know what I mean? And you can go beyond that. You can lift above that to a place where there's not present, where that's not present, but we have to stop relying upon it as our friend, as our protector and those things that we do to to keep us there so from what i'm from what I'm gathering what you're saying is that and we've said i think both of us have said it in our own special way that when we start releasing a fear it's almost a it's almost a death of our identity it's almost a death of who we were or who we thought we needed to be the mask <clears throat> that we've put on ourselves throughout our lives which changes the mask that we wore in high school and college is not the mask that we yeah. wear as, as a 40 year old man but there's still masks there, but those identities are starting to melt away where you start to understand who you truly are. You are Neo and you are waking up and to understand yeah. the matrix in many ways. Absolutely right. So is, so is that, so how can, for people listening, cause it's all, it sounds fantastic. Easier mm -hmm. said than done. You're like, oh, all you have to do is just let your identity die off and find uh, the, the divine within you and connect with God. It, it sounds wonderful. What are some practical applications that people who are not, you know, not at that level yet, that are, that are in uh -huh. the basement, that are in the basement, that are definitely trying sure. to get out? Well, let me, let me see. I mean, a simple thing is to stop making choices based in fear. Um, that's an easy one. Because if you, if you stop doing that, you actually stop perpetuating something. Let me go to the guides with this one. We'd like to say two things. We would like to say two things. The first thing on the other right is the first thing is that they must know that they have the right to this. So, and the second is that it can be so. Most of you deny the divine. Most of you deny the divine not through intention, not through intention, but because you've been reared in a belief, but because you've been reared in a belief that it can't be so, that it can't be so, that you are not allowed, that you are not allowed to not be welcomed, that you will not be welcome because of some false idea, because of some false idea you hold about your sinfulness, about your sinfulness or your wrong-mindedness or your wrong-mindedness or something terrible you think you did or something terrible you think you did once upon a time, once upon a time. All are welcome. All are welcome. Nobody's not invited. Nobody is denied the light that is offering themselves, light that is offering themselves to the light, the simplest thing one can do. The simplest thing one can do is to say, I am here, is to say, I am here, I am willing, I am willing, I am known, I 
am known. Now, when we say I am known, now when we say I am known, we are telling you that God, we are telling you that God or source or source, whatever you wish to call it, whatever you wish to call it already knows you, already knows you. The willingness to be known by source is the invitation, is the invitation to allow the self, the experience of it, to allow the self, the experience of it, period. And they're saying period. So thank you for that, by the way. Um, we've, I think we've mentioned this uh, earlier to, in this conversation as well, vibrations or signals of the, the radio, the radio mm -hmm. that's picking up, and that fear lives and hate and anger live at a very yeah. low, low uh, yeah. vibration. And the, the more love, the more connected you are to the divine, to the higher self, your vibration lifts. What can you tell us about how we can ride or lift our vibrations to a higher place well the attunements work with that so if you if, i mean a lot of the guides attunements are up online you know but they're essentially if you think of them like as coordinates on a jukebox or a way to change the station it'll give you the experience of this in a way that then you can move with and claim and by claim i mean hold it it becomes as of you We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. Um, so that's one way. And that's how the guides teach. They brought through a way to do this. Um, simplest way, I'm going to ask them, simplest way to claim a higher vibration. Know that it can be so. They're saying it again. Know that it can be so. Your vibrational field. Your vibrational field is claiming, is claiming your reality and your experience and your experience. Everything you see, everything you see, you are in accord to. You are in accord to. High, low, and in between. High, low, and in between. The world you see. The world you see is the world, in fact, is the world, in fact, that you are invoking individually, individually and collectively and collectively if you decide to lift if you decide to lift the higher octave to the higher octave we teach it in this way we teach it in this way i am in the upper room i am in the upper room i have come 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 you will align to a higher folk you will align to a higher field the maintenance of this the maintenance of this will come at the cost of the old will come at the cost of the old, your idea of who you've been, your idea of who you have been or what you think you should be or what you think you should be when you let go of the idea. When you let go of the idea of what it means to be holy, of what it means to be holy, you may know the inner God, you may know the inner God when you understand, when you understand that you're already in vibration, that you are already in vibration, what demands you, and what demands you make upon the self, you make upon the self through fear or anger, through fear or anger, keep it low, keep it low, you can start to shift the field, you can start to shift the field to invoke the higher, to invoke the higher, what you damn, what you damn, damns you back, damns you back, who you put in darkness, who you put in darkness, calls you to that darkness, calls you to that darkness. Many would rather damn others. Many of you would rather damn others than know the light, than know the light because it gives you a sense of purpose or because it gives you a sense of purpose or reason to be or reason to be. All it gets you is more of the same. All it gets you is more of the same. So for people, for people listening, I think it's really important to understand is that at the higher vibration that you get to and the, 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 the the closer you are to the divine and to, and, and the way your mind works, you're broadcasting mm -hmm. that signal out into the world, and that's what you attract back to you. 
Is yeah. that a, and that's a, as simple, right. it's as simple as that. And if you're like, if you're afraid and you're always afraid, you're going to bring more fear into your life. If you're angry, you're going to bring more anger. If you're, if you're more loving, you're going to bring more love into your life. If you, you know, and if you, if, if you, it's just, it's so simple that it's unbelievable in so many ways. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. You know, the guides taught this, they, they've said it several different ways. They said, you know, we're always ordering off of the menu that we expect to have. And so if I grew up in a home where love was criticism or there was no love or everything was scarce, you know, I have that expectation. The guides say we all are operating with frames and they, they draw a little box, you know, around. So the purpose of a frame is to fill itself with what it expects because we're always claiming, they call this gesture, the mudra of creation. We're always calling into being what we expect. So if my frame is that I'm not worthy of source, I'm not worthy of love, or I have to be right at the cost of all things, I'll continue to invoke those experiences, even if they're painful. But the purpose of a frame, if you think about it, is also to exclude everything else that exists around it. And so when you open the frame up to the vastness that is potential, then suddenly other things become possible beyond what we've known ourselves through. Now, I'd love to hear your thoughts on the, you know, uh, I know you, I know some of your guides are ascended masters, people who have ascended and have mastered what we're talking about at a, a higher level that you and I can't comprehend, but they were, were most of your guides incarnated at one point or, or you don't know. I don't know. I mean, they've, they've been slightly cagey with this, and that just may be my reluctance to receive some of this information. Mm-hmm. Um, they've said, you know, we're teachers, we're guides. They use the term ascended masters in the first book, and I was uncomfortable with that, so they don't invoke that much anymore. The name that they've used when they're asked a name is Melchizedek, which is a priesthood, which is a very old you know, figure, the Melchizedek figure or priesthood. Um, But they've said some of us have been in form and some of us have not. So they said some of us have known ourselves in form or through form, some of us have not. Mm -hmm. Um, And I accept that. There's one that I see primarily, and I've only seen him in meditation or under hypnosis. And I was surprised. And it's only, and if I think if I meditated every day, I'd probably see him all the time, but I don't because I'm lazy. Um, and he was quite <laughs> remarkable, I have to say, quite remarkable. And he had the bluest, bluest eyes I've ever seen, long, long white beard, and this big hat with like a pancake on top, like you'd see it a, he looked a, a little chef. bit like, no, more like Greek Orthodox. Mm. It was this hat with a thing on the top. Um, and he was holding a uh, scepter which was embossed. It was gold. And I, he kept showing it to me. And he said, this is what we attune people with. And at the time I was doing workshops. And for some reason, I didn't know I was standing in front of people holding something and I didn't know what the heck it was. And then he explained it. And that was the period when people who would attend my workshop started to see my eyes change to a bright pale blue, you know, which is, and I have dark, you know, I have hazel eyes. And that became a very common occurrence as his energy sort of blended more as he worked. 
But I think he's of a collective because at times there is slightly different vocabulary that emerges in the books. And I can tell the difference sometimes, but it all feels of the same ilk when you see it transcribed because all of the books are unedited transcriptions of the channelings. I don't get to go back and fix them. Um, three words maybe in a book would be corrected if I mispronounced or stepped on the edge of it or something like that. So I, I, my favorite definition of the guides of all of them is when they said, we are who you become when you know who you are. Yeah. And that's it. And that's what a lot of the great spiritual masters who have lived have said. I mean, from back from Jesus to Yogananda to Babaji to so many different masters. And the, the, this this idea, especially the Western idea of that, that the, spirit, the spiritual masters come into this form fully enlightened mm -hmm. is such a, it, it doesn't make, it, it doesn't hold water because every single one of them has to go through their trials and tribulations to find yeah. and be able to teach from their own experience. If not, it wouldn't make like, why even show up? I mean, there's a 30 year gap between when Jesus shows up and <laughs> when he starts teaching, he yeah. did some stuff. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I completely agree. I mean, they're saying that what they're bringing through me and, and the books that they write, it's, it's an initiatic teaching. You know, people are being recalled to their true nature. I don't think that there's anything convenient about these teachings. Hmm. And by convenient, I mean, oh, good, I'm going to read this and I'm going to get a better boyfriend or girlfriend or, you know, all those things. I mean, maybe those are the outcomes, but that's not the purpose. The purpose is finally, I think, reuniting with our own true nature which exists beyond who and what we think. And I think that's old stuff. I don't think this is, it's not even very new agey, if you want to say that. It's old, old, old stuff. They say the teaching they're bringing through has been around forever. It comes in different forms in different generations through different teachers. And, you know, I'm not the teacher. I'm the, I'm the radio. And that's perfectly fine with me. <laughs> as I said, as I see. Um, now, do the guides have anything about to say about the about humanity and where we're going as far as just the the evolution, the resurrection of humanity as a whole? They're talking about it a lot now. I mean, it's a lot. Um, I'll go in. We would like to say only one thing. We would like to say only one thing. You will move beyond the idea of self. You will move beyond the idea of self. It has been the cause of everything that has been the cause of your pain, the very cause of your pain. The very cause of your pain is separation. Separation, if you wish, must be addressed finally, must be addressed finally for humanity to recreate itself, for humanity to recreate itself, recreate itself in a higher tone, in a higher tone. This is beginning to occur now. This is beginning to occur now. It will take several generations. It will take several generations for the manifestation to realize itself, for the manifestation to realize itself where you stand now. Where you stand now is in an agreement, is in an agreement to what is not presently working, to what is not presently working, what will never serve you, what will never serve you and could never have and could never have. A new awareness is being born. A new awareness is being born about who and what you are in truth, about who and what you are in truth and those that incarnate. And those that incarnate with this awareness, with this awareness, begin to activate, begin to activate. They will reclaim the manifest plane. They will reclaim the manifest plane that you are presently living in, that you are presently living in, period. And they're saying, period.
We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. So, and I, I, I tend to agree with you because I have children myself and I'm seeing the way they look at life so differently mm-hmm. than, which is just by nature, by because of the parents they have, which is my wife and I, who have a different awareness that than our parents and definitely our grandparents had. Yeah. They were at a much lower vibration, more of like, I need to, I need to survive. Yeah. Where we are, I mean, at least in our, in our, my using myself as an example, uh, I see the difference in not only at my kids, but I see my friends, the friends of my kids and things. They just look at life so differently. They're more open to ideas, more connected. And then the generation, behind, a couple generations behind me, you could just see the way they just, I don't want to work nine to five in a job that I hate. I'm mm-hmm. going to do something different. I'm going mm-hmm. to change the world. I'm going to do something. She, these things were just never ideas that even in the 70s and 80s. Yeah. Can you imagine? <laughs> Not at all. I mean, it gives me hope. You know, yeah. it really does. Um, when I when the guides first said something, I was in a live stream seminar and they said, you know, it'll take four generations or something like that. And people got so upset because they want every we want it now. Well, why am I doing all this work? I want it now. You know, when's this some great awakening? I think it's individual. And I think the, the collective is then served through the individual. As you said earlier, how you how you see anything and everything, frankly, is born in the consciousness that you hold. What you bless blesses you in return. And the guides are basically saying when you're operating at a certain level of vibration, your very presence is altering the field. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I mentioned to some, I was in a car a few months ago with a couple of people that sort of knew what I did, but they don't really know my work. And they were sort of saying, oh, what's going to happen with the world? And they were both feeling really despondent. Right. And I, you know, and they said, well, what do your guides say, Paul? And they said, well, it's going to take four generations, um, but we're, we're doing it and it's hopeful and blah, blah, blah. And somebody said, which I didn't know, they said, no, that's really interesting because they said Moses led the Jews out of Israel and it was 40 years because he said it was 40 years or four generations for people to forget that they had been slaves, that they had been enslaved. It was another level of consciousness. I don't know if that's true. It's what somebody said to me, but I thought, well, that's really kind of interesting that it takes time to forget what we've been taught or what we think must be. And a lot of what the guides are teaching now is that unless we do reclaim collective memory in a higher way, we're going to continue to reinforce fear and separation because most of our memory is born through that. It's a freaky teaching and I'm not quite understanding it. It's the next book that's coming out once it's done. Um, But I understood it when they said it because the claim that the guides work with is the claim, behold, I make all things new. And that means all things inclusive of who we think we are and have been inclusive of the structures that we've known ourselves through. And I think by that, it simply means we know things in a higher way. We're no longer reinforcing separation in the ways that we've been instructed to. 
And, and, and a lot of the old programming that we have been raised with and taught over the years has been slowly being forgotten or transfer or, or evolving in the sense that like before it was all about gas guzzling cars. And yes, there still is gas guzzling cars, but now there's a shift in there's yeah. a massive shift to like, no, we can't keep going down this way. Yeah. And it yeah. could be the reasons of just being energy independent, which is fine. Um, you're not buying oil from people who want to kill us um, or that we're also shifting. Same thing with our food, same thing with our health. Can you imagine? I mean, I remember in the, in the early eighties when my mom would go to a gym um, and that was like crazy or do yoga. Like that was a very, mm-hmm different thing where now it's the norm and the, the our generations like my kids know what meditation is because they yeah. know daddy meditates that's such a massive shift from my generation and in your generation mm-hmm. my generation men didn't even use hair conditioner i remember when that, that <laughs> happened in high school some guy said i'm using hair conditioner and i be screamed with laughter because it wasn't done guys didn't do it you know what i mean so right exactly and guys yeah well let's not even get into what guys used to do and what guys do now <laughs> can you imagine the you know the ones that primp and completely make themselves i mean that's something like my grandfather would look at that and like what <laughs> yeah i mean you know i'm 60 years old now you know and i I'm grateful to have lived as long as I have, and I'm grateful for what I've seen. And I'm extraordinarily happy if things change, because, you know, I think we've made so many choices that are harmful to ourselves and other people. And I think if the consciousness that's becoming present now is in support of that, that can only be a good thing. Without question. Now, tell me about the new book, Resurrection, and what is the goal of this book? <laughs> yapping. Um, resurrection, I mean, Resurrection is about, it's the, it's the first book of what they're calling the Manifestation Trilogy. And they're talking about the divine in form, in manifestation, in ourselves, and in all things that we see and experience. And they're talking about how manifestation occurs, not in terms of getting what we think that we should have, but moving to a level of agreement, which means vibrational accord, where we can become the recipient of our good, which already exists. So we're no longer trying to say, how am I going to get? How am I going to get? We're moving to a place of reception. And this reception also includes our innate knowing truly knowing who we are, because if you know who you are, you know what you require, and then you begin to trust that those needs will be met. So it's a trippy book, I have to say, and um, it's a surprisingly readable book. I don't read the books until I have to do the audiobooks because mm-hmm. I just can't read them. I'll proof them at the level that I need to. Um, but they're teaching about the resurrected self, the divine resurrected in and through all of us, and then in and through all things. It's 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 pretty powerful. I mean, I think that what from what I understand, it's kind of like you're trying to go onto a film set and wake the actors up to let them know that they're actors, and they're not actually the characters that they're playing, but they're so involved in their performance and in the set that's so beautiful and the lights and everything that looks so great, but you're just trying to, you can't go 
for full force in because then they'll get very angry. Like, what are you talking about? I am Hannibal Lecter. What are you, what are you talking about? Exactly. As opposed to, so you have to slowly work it into like, no, 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 no. You're, you're an actor who lives in Pasadena. <laughs> you need uh-huh. to, you need to come with me. And, and, yeah. and, and your true self is, this is who you are. Is that a good analogy? Very good analogy. <laughs> uh, no, what's, ne- what's in store in the next, um, in the next book in this in this trilogy you know they're two-thirds of the way through it i mean i'm still trying to comprehend what they're talking about um but they're talking about the reclamation of memory the the reclamation of history the reclamation of all choices made in fear throughout time because all of these things they say can be renowned or reclaimed in the higher energy or in the higher octave so again, they're talking about manifestation, but they're talking about, at this point, I think how the world is made new through consciousness. Through personal consciousness, through finding your personal consciousness and then collective consciousness, because finally, both of those things coexist. You really can't have one without the other, but it's really how your presence informs everything you see and actually translates everything you see to a higher level of tone or vibration. Now I'm going to ask you a few questions. I ask all my guests, Paul. Okay. What is your mission in this life? I don't know. I don't think (laughs) I have one. I mean, I show up for this work. I, you know, just really, I want to enjoy what's left for me. And it wasn't easy, I have to say, for a long time. And the idea that peace is present and is available is still of great delight to me. So my purpose and mission, I'm here to do the work that I came for and show up for it in whatever form it takes. And that's it. What is the definition of a good life? We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. I'm going to say a life made in high choice without great regret, but I don't know because I think we learn through our mistakes just as much as anything else. And I think at the end of it, we go, wow, I got to learn that hard lesson and wasn't that interesting. So I don't know a definition of good life. I think it has to do with loving others truthfully. And what is the ultimate purpose of life? I think it's knowing God finally, or whatever you want to call God, or knowing itself is not separate. Yeah, exactly right. And finally, is do the guides have any other parting words for us? I'll ask. They're saying the young man wants to know what he's here for. So we will speak to him directly. He's here to show the way. He's here to show the way because he is willing to be seen, because he is willing to be seen, and because you are willing to be seen, and because you are willing to be seen, you are willing to shine the light, you are willing to shine the light to those who walk behind you, to those who walk behind you. Paul's mission is somewhat different. Paul's mission is somewhat different. He is here to know himself. He is here to know himself as of his source, as of his source. That was his first request 
That was his first request. It is indeed being honored, and it is indeed being honored for all the listeners. For all the listeners, we would simply have to say, we would simply have to say, know who you are in truth. Know who you are in truth. Know what you are in truth. Know what you are in truth. Know how you serve in truth. Know how you serve in truth. And know that you're not going to And know that you will not be denied the divine if you say yes. If you say yes to the divine that is already so, that is already so, period. And they're saying, period. Paul, it is always a pleasure talking to you, my friend. You are welcome back anytime. And at the rate that you're putting these books out, it should. Be, I'll, I'll see you next week. <laughs> All right. Thank you. I appreciate it. It's always a good talk, Alex. Thank you so much. I want to thank Paul so much for coming on the show and sharing his gifts with all of us. And I want to thank the guides for their messages. If you want to get links to anything we spoke about in this episode, including how to get Paul's new book, The Resurrection, head over to the show notes at nextlevelsoul.com forward slash 127. And if you've only been listening to this over podcast and you want to watch these amazing conversations, please subscribe to our YouTube channel at nextlevelsoul.com forward slash YouTube. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, trust the journey. It is here to teach you. I'll talk to you soon.